This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. The brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. Uh, first up tonight, a guy uh, who is the principal consultant for Maple Leaf Strategies, but you probably know him better as a city councilor, as an MPP, uh, as a guy who ran for mayor once upon a time. Brad Clark, sir, thank you for coming in. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you. And next to him, the guy with the best hair in Hamilton, who also had an outstanding caricature of him drawn by the spectators, <laughs> Graham Mackay, with hair in full bloom, I might add. Uh, Mike Fortune from Cable 14, sir, thank you for doing this. No r- place I'd rather be than here right now, Scotty. Uh, you did happen to bump him. I'm, I'm, I'm serious about that. Serious. You bumped into Graham at... Uh, Down at Supercrawl, saw him there at the Hamilton store on James Street. Bought and, a book. Uh, he bought a book and he signed it for me and he drew, drew a perfect caricature of the Forge. It's awesome. It was as so much fun. The, the Forge as? As the king of rock and roll. As Elvis. Oh, Elvis. There you go, baby. Yep. With a with a sensational pompadour. And the amazing thing, Graham's been on here before. You've heard Graham if you listen to this show. I am Graham's biggest cheerleader. But I got to tell you, the fact that he sits there, and Mike was saying this before coming on today, sits there and he's just chatting with you while doodling. And then he's done and you go, Wow. That's really good. It's amazing. It truly is. Yeah. It really is. Um, I wish I could do that. It's to me. It's kind of like he actually dr- draws the cartoon faster than like, uh, does getting his exactly. Hair ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, how can I incorporate that? Well, and he he even said like, he goes. He goes. I've never. I've never had to draw an Elvis before. Ooh. It was spot on. It's kind of like a, a hand ventriloquism that you can be <laughs> talking and doing yeah. something else with your hand, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's done. It's yeah. a, he was good. Truly amazing. It is. Uh, we'll have Graham back on again. Uh, his book, by the way, You May Be From Hamilton If, and I am told, I just talked to Graham actually as I was leaving The Spectator today, he is doing a book signing. I'm not exactly sure the time. I think it's tomorrow around 11 or so up at the Indigo in the Meadowlands. So if you want to get a book, if you want to get your own caricature perhaps, head up there and uh, Graham Mackay, the editorial cartoonist for The Spectator. It's a hilarious book. It's a bril- if, you, if you're from Hamilton... If you know any of the inside jokes of Hamilton, it is brilliant. If you don't know the inside jokes of Hamilton, it's kind of like a Hamilton for dummies inside joke kind of book. But um, yeah, he's up. At, no dummies in Hamilton. Well, the, it's, <laughs> it's the guidebook. Uh, I would say, again, if you're trying to think, oh, I really would like to see him up there. I think if you shoot for about 11 a.m., I think you'll uh, you'll probably catch him up there. I'm not sure the exact time. I'm trying to find it here on Twitter. Just you know what? We'll, we'll find it before we'll the show it. is over we'll and uh, give it. you the exact times. Let's get to this though, because we do. There is a lot, a lot of stuff that happened in the last few days that are just crazy stories that I want to get to, and I, I can't think of two better guys than you. Uh, although this first one, I don't know who the perfect person is to talk about to this. Be fair to the audience, wow. we don't know what you're going to no, ask us. No, right they have yeah, no idea. Exactly. <laughs> and I really don't know who the, the perfect person is for this next question, because it brings up a name that causes widespread repulsion, seriously, among most people. Of course, I'm talking about Carla Hamolka. There is now a Facebook page that has been started saying follow or or it's something about not letting Carla Hamolka lead a private life. It's find Carla Hamolka, follow Carla Hamolka. They put up pictures when she's in doctor's offices for appointments and things. Now, I don't think there is a person out there who feels sympathy for this woman. Everybody knows the story. If you don't know the Carla Hamolka story, we don't have time to tell it all right now. Go look it up. You'll understand why she causes repulsion. But I'm wondering, you know, this is the first time I'm actually wondering whether this kind of thing might make some people feel a tinge of pity for her 
that you've got people who are literally now posting her whereabouts and as she sits in a doctor's office to get in a, a who knows what, that is this, Mike, is this too much? Is this, is this acceptable for someone who did what she did and we should be hounding this woman till the day she dies? Or is this too much and, you know, be aware of where she is, but there's a limit. Yeah. This is a tough one. I, I'm not doubting. I'm not denying it's a tough one. Do we dare call it a slippery slope? Um, it's something that I wouldn't feel comfortable doing. Take, I, I don't like taking photos of people and, and putting them on Twitter without their permission. And, and again, I understand what you did. It was horrible and in and, and every single amount of, of words that you can throw at it. But at the same time, she's paid her dime. She's done her dues. Uh, she had a lawyer that got a heck of a deal for her. That and she cut as well. You know, I, I think by doing this with social media and the instant gratification and being able to for news to travel so quickly, I almost feel that if you are jumping on this bandwagon or Facebook page for that matter, that you're you're putting you're you're no better than a than a traditional stalker that's out there. And stalkers, we know what can happen with them. They usually go to court and. They find themselves doing some jail time or paying a fine or whatever the case might be. So, you know, I, I don't know if you should really be following along with something like this and, and taking part. I don't think it's setting a good example for, for young people. I don't think your morals are, are that great if you are do- doing something like that as well. Um, again, horrible, horrible, horrible what she did. But at the end of the day here, you know, it's something I don't truly agree with. What do you think, Brad? I'm surprised it's happening. That that people are wa- that someone had the temerity, audacity to actually create a Facebook page to track the whereabouts of another person uh, in Canadian law. It would be very problematic for that particular person that actually owns uh, the Facebook page. Um, it is surprising. I, I've r- realized that in recent years the general public is less forgiving that than we would like to think we are and for, for certain things absolutely and and uh in in this particular case um i think the biggest problem for ms homolka is that she got the sweetheart deal that the crown attorney uh, whether you like the crown attorney or not kind of screwed up on the tape evidence and and w- wrote that deal and she got away with that. And so people feel that she got away with it. So that's why they legitimize and rationalize what they're doing. So when Mike says she did her time, people say, well, technically, correct, but not really. That. And therefore we feel justified in doing this. And here, here's the concern that I have with this page. I, I don't, you know, we heard, I, it was a number of months ago. I don't know how long ago it was. We talked about it on the show that she was showing up and volunteering at her kid's school. And that became news. I had no issue whatsoever with someone saying, that's not cool. You exactly. cannot have this person around children in a in any kind of setting. That to me is very different from this. And the reason is, not that I'm all that bothered that honestly that Carla Homolka is being uncomfortable. My concern is where the question came from at first. I fear that somehow she is going to garner sympathy from this, that this is going to turn her somehow in some minds into a sympathetic character. I think that would be the complete antithesis of what we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my bigger fear would be that it creates an air of vigilantism across the country and that uh, people feel justified in acting out and doing something. Uh, and then if someone does something... 
Well, you know, it's it's you know the school situation was fascinating because. Um, you know, unless the government declared her a registered offender or an RSO registered sex offender, um, there really is nothing that the government, the school board, could do legally to stop her from volunteering. They worked out an arrangement and she walked away from it. Uh, there's a difference between what is legally permissible and what society thinks is permissible. And I can rationalize and justify in my own heart and mind and explain to people this is why I think she deserves this. By well, continually following her uh, across the country, across the ocean, by creating Facebook pages, you know, with the type of mindset and men- mentality she is, she might also be eating all this up. So why are we feeding potentially into her ego? Could be. I've not, in any in any of the interactions that I've seen of her on TV or anywhere else, it does not, and I read that Paula Todd book when she found her down in the Caribbean somewhere, it was mm-hmm. a short book. She sure didn't. Carla Molka sure did not seem to be enjoying the fact that she had been found and she was back in the news. But again, I go back to the idea that I just I I just worry that somehow we turn her into a sympathetic character, and that is the opposite of what she should be. She should never be seen as a sympathetic character. I'm not saying we hunt her down and. But Brad, to your other point though about vigilantism, this is another problem. Even with the evil that she did, if someone does walk up to her on the street and pop her, again, she becomes the sympathet- more, somehow, sympathetic character. I, I she becomes a victim to a crime, and that person goes to jail, rightly so. Does I, she become a sympathetic character to a different generation? She would never become sympathetic to, to us, as we were, we, we, we were there. We, we watched it on the news. We were looking for the gold Camaro. We, we mm-hmm. followed it hard on. It was unbelievable. But now you have a whole nother generation that doesn't really know, didn't feel the angst and the anxiety in the Southern Ontario area. So maybe it's, and again, I don't, I'm not painting all millennials this way or the younger crowd this way. You might get the sympathy from them. Well, let so me, it has to be explained to them what this woman did. I haven't seen this Facebook page. I hope there's a nice little breakdown at least about what this woman did and what she quote unquote got away with. Well, let me, um, try to answer that question, at least as I would do it, by saying we talked about it on this show just last week about the rush to call everyone who you disagree with Hitler. If you, if you, someone's, you know what? I don't hear any of the people who were old enough to have lived through that, especially Jewish people, dropping the name Hitler as a quick, easy reference to someone with whom they have a disagreement because they understood what that person was and so to answer your question, would a generation that wasn't alive or wasn't old enough to be understand this, could they not sense it? Maybe so. Maybe the fact that if you didn't live through that trial and through that time and through those concerns when everybody was worried about their daughters and maybe it becomes a eh, you know what, she's done her time and we're we're softer on that. I, I just it is it is a tough the thing with the school I, I have no problem when Mike, when you said when we follow her around the country, I want to know. I think it's fair to know where Carla Hamolka is generally that she's not in my kids' school if I have kids. I think that's a fair thing to know, but to know that she's getting her ears checked at the doctor's Why? appointment because I st- I still do believe that we what well, that we saw there was no assessment from the government indicating that she's. I mean, I'm not defending her, but I'm just saying from a legal standpoint. On what basis does society get to follow someone around after they've committed a crime, they've been tried, they've done their time, and now they're released back into public? Mm-hmm. If she was a registered sex offender, 
absolutely. If she was a registered offender, well, she likely wouldn't have got out. If, if she was a dangerous offender, she'd still be in. Um, but the question really becomes, if, if people can do it for this person, what about everyone else? No that and I go back to the point you made a few moments ago, which was that the government screwed this thing up. And so totally. the fact that she's not an offender is not because she's not potentially dangerous with the right person around her. It's that the government didn't... We don't even know. We don't know. We don't know. And so, again, under certain circumstances, I would say the same. If You know what? I, it I, is the fear in our heart that she is not repentant and that she could do it again that I think drives people yes. to want to know where she is. Yes. But the fear... There are some for whom it's just a voyeuristic thing. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking no. about the legitimate concerns about kids and about Correct. other people. And for that reason, I'm not saying find out and put a big sign on her door, but I'm saying, you know what, if I know that she is hanging out and she's teaching or volunteering at the school, I think it's legitimate to know that. We're going down a, a, you used the term slippery slope earlier, but I mean, at what point does this stop and how many other people who have ticked someone off in society and ends up with a Facebook page uh, with this type of, I mean, where does that type of thing stop? And and we're in a situation now where the law has not caught up with um, the social aspect of of the new technology. Hundred percent. No, hundred percent. And and go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say it, it's very possible that Carla could turn the tables on these people that are creating this Facebook site. If you want, get a lawyer herself and say, hey, got to put a stop to this. Now, now my rights are being stepped on. I can't live my life. And this has to, and, and maybe this will be another precedent that might start this whole policing and, and, and law of, of uh, social media. And that brings us back to the question is that if that were to happen, I, I do think that she would be the sympathetic or, again, more sympathetic character in this thing if somehow a court rules in her favor. How ironic would it be if that happened and the courts were ruling that in her favor that she she was started to winning court it's cases possible. saying leave her alone? I. It's a tough one. This this is one, uh, I'll tell you this, th- when I saw this today or yesterday, whenever I saw it, the first thing you think of is, oh, do I want to talk about this today? Because the first thing everyone says is, oh, you're mentioning Carla Molka just because it pushes everyone's buttons. Yeah, it absolutely does. That's the whole point behind this. And I don't mean it in the sense that people listening are going to be more listening or less likely to turn the channel. This is her and Paul Bernardo. I can't think of any other names in Canada that carry the same instant, instant repulsion. volatile repulsion reaction that people have. Clifford Olson, maybe for people who were closer to where that those crimes happened, maybe that would be something different. But the, the, in my... But she's out. She's out. There's a difference. She that, got 12 that, years and she's out. Would so there, a lot of these other murderers that we have rightly revulsion for are either in or have died. What if Paul Bernardo, this is a crazy oh. question. I don't even know why I'm asking, but what if Paul Bernardo, because he's eligible he for not. parole. No, he's never going to get no. it. He's never going to get it. But what really? If, I don't, I, no. I could never, uh, no there's way. no government and no judge that is going to, first of all, it but would be the judge. it's not a government and no, it's it not a, a judge in Canada. It's a parole a, board. an independent parole You're right. board You're right. with people who do not necessarily have the skill sets to actually make that decision. And they're anonymous, Many of them correct? are partisan par, uh, 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 appointments. And would they be anonymous, I believe? 
I don't think you would know. You wouldn't know, Brad, if you were no, on that board. That, well, you'll know that someone's on the parole board, but you don't know which ones are making the decision. As right. Far as so, I know. so if you were on that hearing, no one's going to know if you let him out that it was Brad Clark who let him free. That's yeah. the point. And you, they're supposed to take the evidence that comes through as well as everything else and weigh it out. Um, and we've had in Canada many, many times people crying out in rage over a parole of, of an inmate who people feel have not properly paid society back. You can't, you can't envision any scenario in which he could possibly be given parole. I'm just saying this is Canada. We have a parole <laughs> board. It's not an American system. No, I system understand. Anything the, can the, happen. The, the, in, in America, the governor says, Mr. Parole Board, you're going to do it this way. And this is Canada. They're independent. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so l- l- let's let's play the worst case scenario. I hate to then. beat the bearer. Of no, bad no, no. News. But let's let's say <laughs> that it's now another. I don't know. He's seventy five years old, and the parole board said, "Fine, you can get out now that you're seventy five years old. You've done." Let's make it seventy five, and he's dying. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever situation <laughs> you want to put on. Do people? Because you know the whole thing behind this is that we've said that the. Anger towards Carla Hamolka is that people feel she got away with it and she didn't really serve a penalty. If you serve 50 years in prison by yourself, basically for most of the time in hard time, do you think people would be? See, I don't think people would be any more accepting of Paul Bernardo if he stepped out. No, the than, anger is still, in in my opinion, the anger is still there. He committed a horrific crime. Um, He's safer in jail, frankly. uh, Yes. Mm -hmm. I think he would be more susceptible to vigilanteism on the outside than where he is currently. And you know, the the part about this that some people would say, great, I I don't love the idea. I don't like the idea at all of vigilanteism. But if someone, if he got out and someone popped him, in certain circles, that guy would be a hero. I feel... Uh, Or a woman. It could be a woman. I mean, we're not going to be sexist here. I, I sincerely feel for the victims of those two because every time those two names pop up, I can imagine um, what they go through emotionally. And and that's a very good point. And so they keep reliving it. With this jerk in the Facebook page, the victims' families are reliving this yeah. when they hear about this. Yeah. Um, and you don't think that they maybe... Uh, and we, we you don't know we don't know what the Frenchers or the Mahaffies feel uh, about this. We've not asked them, but to know that someone is at least monitoring her, so she's not coming back to the St. Catharines that, area or the well, if the police were monitoring, they'd be very pleased with that. But I don't think they they I don't think they think it's great that Homolka and Bernardo's name are constantly spoken about, not constantly, but regularly spoken of in television and radio. Because that gives them that fame, that, that infamy, mm. that attention that they don't deserve. They killed um, their daughters. And with the police monitoring, it's like, okay, well, we know she's here. We know she's there. With the Facebook, you're going to see images of her sitting down, playing with her kids, maybe smiling at a park, having a good time. I think that would enrage uh, the Mahafia yeah, I, I, I just think it's a bad idea all around. You know, just before we go to break, it's interesting, Mike, you say that, because in all the pictures that we've seen of her out of prison, I've yet to see the first one of her smiling. I don't know if that's because the photographers only show the pictures where she's scowling or if she is truly knowing that the entire world is watching her and she is living a miserable existence. I don't know the answer to that question. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, Brad Clark, Mike Fortune in studio, brightest panel on Hamilton Radio. Um, Brad, I'm going to go to you first on this one because uh, this is um, 
This is in your old world as a city councilor once upon a time. Mayor Fred, let me read the first two or three paragraphs of Matthew Van Dongen's story that's on the spec.com. It'll be in the spectator tomorrow. Oh, another surprise. Mayor Fred Eisenberger <laughs> says the city should formally review the fate of public art and monuments that spur complaints or, quote, represent oppression. The pitch comes as statues and monuments to historic political leaders across Canada, including Sir Johnny MacDonald and Gore Park, earn new scrutiny for how their namesakes treated Indigenous people. Councillors will consider a motion from the mayor next Wednesday calling for the development of a, quote, process review for city-owned public art or monuments when a community concern is identified. The proposed review would include consultation with, quote, discipline experts and, quote, communities of concern and result in a report or recommendation back to council. Now, I don't want to be overstating this, but I think George Orwell wrote almost about this very thing. Discipline experts who we can get into the discussion about whether or not we should be having statues or not but this to me is a jump down into a rabbit hole that you will never get out of once you start this thing because every single monument street name building name will offend somebody and so how do you determine who are the discipline experts how do you determine which ones truly are offensive enough or not offensive enough. This, this to me is the first just, thing I would have to say is, don't we have some more important files that are pressing in Hamilton that we should be <laughs> dealing with? But they would argue, and I, 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 I think this is fair. They would say, they well, may city be council divisive, won't do this. This will be a discipline experts. My question is, who are these people who suddenly are going to become the jurists or the arbiters of what is or is not acceptable for us to set our eyes upon? I don't understand the impetus, the the drive that is going on for this type of analysis. I had a, a history teacher, Mr. Watson, at Hill Park Secondary School. That's that school that they closed up on the mountain that they might open again. It's a great school. Um, <laughs> don't know if the name Hill Park will be removed by then. Yeah, it I could be know. offensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he taught us that you have to know your history in order to prevent history from repeating itself. Mm-hmm. And so all of these statues and things that are out there are historical markers. And if we spent enough time discussing and understanding what the history of those individuals are, uh, I don't think there, we, we may dislike what transpired, but we cannot erase what transpired. So taking down statues of a person who, who um, uh, harmed natives or, or, or harmed African-Americans, as they're doing in, in south of us, uh, that's rewriting history, wiping them off the face of the earth. I want my children to know that history. I want my children to understand that history and know that we're above that and we're not going to allow it to happen again. Wiping out history, erasing history, is very much Big Brother, uh, but it does not improve the tenor of our discussion that just certainly does not improve our civilization we need to know that these things happened and we want to stop them from happening again tearing down a statue does nothing mm-hmm. it mike, satisfies a few people but that's it mike are you comfortable with the idea that there will be some kind of panel of experts who we don't know who they are who will decide for you whether that statue is offensive to you or not. No, I don't think it's fair at all that you're going to have a panel of five, six, eight, ten. who knows how many people will be on this. I don't know what all of a sudden gives them the right to be judge and jury, and uh, they're just going to go around from monument to monument, school to street, and just say, all right, no, this one's off the list, take it down, no, this. 
who who are you? Why do you have that right? I'm thinking in my head, this is being brought up. What's happening in about 12 months from now? Oh, that's right. Election time. Oh, you're a and, cynic. And, and, and this, is, this is something that might be talked about. Look what we've done. Look what we've tried to do to help the vast majority of our very ethnic diversity, uh, diverse city of ours. So we're trying to put something in place a year in advance. So when we go knock on your door, here's, here's other things that we've been working on. I don't agree with this. One iota. I, Brad, you said it so eloquently about we're rewriting history by doing what we're doing in the States and maybe now here it sounds like. And I think it's truly, truly a shame that some of this stuff is going to be taken down. Excuse me as I got a frog in my throat here. <clears throat> um, I don't like it one iota. And I don't know, I don't know what group of 10, 12 people would want to be part of that panel. Why would you? Why oh, would, oh why would no, you Mike! Be, there would be people. Think so? Oh, there would be people lining up. I wouldn't want to be. A lot of hidden agendas out there. Lining up, there will be people for, to be on this panel because you then get to wield the mighty scepter of censorship and have people fall in line with what you think. That is a that is a tempting place for a lot of people. I think I would there not would not be. be that there. being said, in municipal area, there are advisors to council, so council has to make the final decision. Of course, so if they really want to open up this can of worms. To satisfy one political whim, they're creating a huge problem down the road for themselves. Here's When I first heard this today, I'll tell you the two things that came to mind immediately for me about two different people. The first one, there is a rink, and I am delighted that this rink bears the name of Harry Howell mm -hmm. because Harry is one of our city's finest, nicest gentlemen. One of the, well, he is, the I think, the best hockey player ever from here. You cannot find a better human being than Harry Howell. Agreed. It took way too long for them to name a rink after him. However, and I, th this is nothing about him, we now know we're hearing all about concussions and everything else. 30 years from now, long after Harry is gone, there is a chance, I have no doubt, there is a chance that someone will come forward and say, you know what, hockey, the way it was played back then, was very violent, and Harry Howell contributed to the concussions of other hockey players, and we can't endorse having an arena named after someone who played that kind of a game. We must take that name away. That, to me, would be outrageous, but I can absolutely envision someone taking that stance at some point. Then you take the second one. Let us imagine right now, and it may be a stretch of the imagination for a lot of people, but in a number of years, Justin Trudeau has some sort of monument named after him or a federal building or something else as former Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. For his hair. Well, then there'll be the Mike Fortune building. <laughs> there better too. be a Mike Fortune building right next to it. <laughs> but let's say there is a Justin Trudeau building and then 50 years from now, we learn that marijuana that he legalized has caused a health crisis that we did not know would exist now but it has led to massive health problems. Does that mean then you have to take that down because he may have done good things that you believe in, but one thing that he did or one area that he worked in eliminates him from any contention. The point is that I'm making, nobody that we have named any building after is perfect. And if we want to nitpick, and, and some of them are broader picks than nits, but if we want to go after people, everybody who's, you, there will be, you could not have anything named after anybody, anywhere, city, uh, street, building, statue, nothing, parks. There could be nothing named after a person. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, and it's across the country. You can, yes. You're going to take down Wayne Gretzky statue. You're going to take down Shaq statue in Miami down the road. You're going to rename the John C. Monroe airport because some of the stories that have come out about him, and I think some people know, 
it, it, there's, there's pointing at Scott for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's truly no end. In, there's no end to this once you start the process. And again, I'm going back to what Brad said. You said it perfectly early on. You can't recreate history by doing this. You'll learn from this. And so our civilization is an amalgam of our history. Yeah. And so learn from history. Our civilization evolves over time. We've seen, we, the three of us, have witnessed tremendous evolution in the betterment of civilization in the short time that we've been on Earth. Agreed. And it will continue to do that. But to wipe out statues uh, because one or a half dozen or a few people are upset about that statue is wrong. If, they, if they're concerned about it, then teach us what you've learned about that individual. Share that so that we can make sure that our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren don't make that same mistake. But stop the nonsense. Well, let me read from the last paragraph of Matthew Van Dongen's piece that'll be in The Spectator tomorrow. Um, it's speaking of uh, uh, earlier this summer, Councillor Matthew Green said he expected a debate over the fate of the Sir John A. Macdonald statue after it comes down temporarily as part of a revamp of Gore Park. Green said he supports permanently removing the statue. He also suggested residents uncomfortable with monuments that honor Canada's controversial colonial past may also have a problem with the nearby Queen Victoria, which again takes me down, says how this, we are going to jump right down a rabbit hole. Everybody who has a, a, an issue with anything, anybody, there is not a person alive who doesn't have someone who disagrees with something they've done. So if it's imperialism that we're concerned about, then people who are concerned about it should be speaking up with the current imperialism that occurs across the entire world, where different countries are going in trying to, to tell them that this is how they should be running their country. Our society is, is evolving. Our society learns from our past mistakes, and hopefully we don't repeat them. But eliminating Queen Victoria statues so that people never mention her name again and, no, and, and virtually no one understands exactly what transpired, how is that helping us learn from our past? Well, it's not only that, but it's puzzling to me that we have become so pompous and so arrogant that we have placed every historical figure into our time period and our sensibilities and not saying there were different... Some have become some. that pretentious. No, fair enough. Absolutely. No. But we have uh, many, some, whatever, have can't understand that at a different time, a hundred years ago, life was different. I'm not defending slavery. I'm not defending wiping out indigenous people. That's not what I'm talking about. But it was very different times. And unless you're there... You can't simply say, well, Sir Johnny McDonald must have been a raging racist. You know what? I don't know. I don't know we what there. We uh, didn't we, witness it. There was no I don't know what the circumstances uh, were. I would rather that politicians spent time on issues that actually impact people, like in Hamilton, the shortage of ambulance issue. Mm-hmm. But that's complicated. Brad, that's, I understand that. That doesn't get you let's headlines. Let's not allow that, po- any politician. That won't get you votes. Uh, let's not allow any politician <laughs> to deflect attention away from the important issues that we're facing every single day on issues like this. But this is exactly how you get yourself noticed. As Mike says, in an election year, ambulances, while if, you have been, if you've been hurt or if you've needed one, it's sexy. But if you're someone who's never needed one, this thing is way more of an easy talking point. I, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, whether on this show or on City Matters, we've become a society that is way too sensitive. Of course. And for these... Handful of people, as, as the term you just used, Brad, who, who, who feel that they are empowered and they are the ones, I'm telling you, they must have the most perfect, shiny, straightest halos 
with no skeletons in their closet. <laughs> they they are the most amazing, perfect people to have ever walked the face of this earth. And if they can truly say that, all right, then maybe I'll listen to you. But I'm telling you, let's open up. Let's peel back the kimono and look into your world a little bit and see how perfect you are. <laughs> Judge Come not, on. lest you be judged. Wait a second, the kimono? Just All saying. I can think about is that front page not, picture I'm of so a former <laughs> mayor once upon a time. Um, <laughs> is it in a cartoon somewhere? I'm just saying. Here, the issue is, Mike, that those people who would be the ones screaming loudly right now would argue... Yes, but this is different because I'm not racist. And all I would say is, let's wait 50 years. Let's wait 100 years. And when that generation, two or three generations from now, and their sensibilities have changed, you know what? Probably they're going to look back at you and say, you're a horrible person for what you did here. Times change. Circumstances change. I've had people say that already. Well, that's a different thing. (laughs) Politics does that. I mean, people, people really seem to obsess with individuals who make certain decisions and, and, and they just keep coming at that individual. And, and I found that, that people tend to be really judgmental, mm-hmm. quick to judge everyone without thoughts, without rationale. And, and on all of these things, I mean, you get these snap discussions where people are talking around a kitchen table and a community and well, we should do something about it. Next, you know, they're protesting to take down a statue. Write a, write a book about the history of that individual and how they have offended different eth- mm-hmm. Teach Agreed. us that history. Bring it out so that people are aware of it. In my opinion, that would be far more progressive and far more helpful to us, our society than to tear down the statue and forget about them. Embrace history and learn from it. This to me, and we've spent a lot of time talking about it, and I think it's a, a fair thing to talk about, but this to me is about, I really believe s- some counselors and some other people in this city it's a very easy, very public, very obvious thing that you can be upfront. It's an easy decision. This is an easy one to be taking a stand on. You, Brad, you talk about ambulances. You can talk about budget. You can talk about other things that don't get you a lot of attention. This one is emotional. This one connects with people, even though ultimately in the end, it's entirely unimportant, largely. Largely, it's entirely unimportant. Mm-hmm. We don't have a statue of Adolf Hitler in our park. I could probably come to the conclusion that if we did that one might be the exception you would take down. Agreed. But even then you could have a discussion saying perhaps what we need on here is a giant plaque at the bottom of it explaining who this person was and why we should never. But So should people take down the any statues of the president that ordered the bombing of Japan? It's a, great, a good, it's a good question. That's a great question. Should we remember the history, learn from it, and remind Mr. Trump what happened? Except there would be though there are those now who are revising history again saying that that was a massive war crime that was committed there is an argument to be made we don't have time in any way to go into this there is an argument on either side to say that stopped the war that prevented many more lives even though it cost lives there's others who say no this war would have ended in time regardless you can have that debate but to simplify it to the simple removal of a statue is that's crazy. Point. It's crazy. It's not it's, that simple. I think it's naive. Yep. And again, lots of generational stuff. I know we got to go. Hey, Graham Mackay, though, tweeted back to me. He is going to be signing tomorrow at the Ancaster Indigo from 10 till 4. 10 Take till 4. 10 till 4. I six hope he hours. has a well-stocked supply of pens. Lots He's going to be running out of ink. And he'll have carpal tunnel by the end of the day. If you you get, wanted to know, I got the info for you. Excellent job, Mike. You're a great reporter. 
You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. With Mike Fortune, who is one of the hosts of City Matters on Cable 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Police Watch, you name it, among others. Among and others. I got to say. Cherry say, Bingo, Kiwanis Bingo? No, not anymore. Haven't done that in a while. I got to say, props out to Doug Fairway and Sandy Shaw, too, when we're there doing council uh, follow-ups. Uh, an excellent lineup on Cable 14, which is really shocking considering you guys are still operated by Brent Rickard. Oh, <laughs> the Brent big guy gets thrown Brent under the good friend. Brent is a good guy. Brent does a great job with wow. Cable 14. A little, Just a little fun with Brent. <laughs> so what do you say about me when I'm not here? Yeah. <laughs> Go to 900CHML.com to the Scott Radley Show, and all the shows are there. You can, uh, <laughs> you can listen. <laughs> You can download uh, all the podcasts. You're slipperier than the president. There you go. Well done, Scotty. <laughs> uh, and next to him, that voice you just heard, Brad Clark, former MPP, former city councillor, former mayoral candidate. Uh, now the, let me get the right title here, the, I threw it Principal away. Consultant. Principal consultant Maple for Maple Leaf Strategies. Strategies. You have Thank a you. problem with government, you call me. That's a, that, is that your motto? Or is you I just make that up? up. It be, it, that's it. Put it on your business card. Now, I could see a, uh, a better call or just call Saul <laughs> commercial. Yeah. T-shirts and everything. Yeah, just call with Saul. With my arms crossed. Yeah, hey. better call Saul. You have a problem with government? Call me. Baseball hats. <laughs> no, I'm never using a baseball okay. hat again. <laughs> there are, you know, there should probably be every year. Maybe there are, but there should be some kind of awards for worst community access local tv commercials like homemade things well, that either car dealerships now. do or come that on. oh mike come on get, get you're the, tearing apart community no, television no, no, no. here what I, what I mean mike i don't i don't mean cable 14 television i mean like community commercial television but okay. those commercials like when you know when you see the yes, guy doing the, 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 the furniture sales That's right. oh, I know you're talking or whatever about, yeah. else no it's not cable 14 it's the ones okay. that there are there was one that i do remember big bob's buckets we got a bucket to hold your water no holes guaranteed big bob's buckets call us now what was the one from sctv with uh with uh, uh was it S- yeah it was sctv with the yeah, furniture emporium. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or was that horrible. Saturday Night Live? I can't remember now. It's SNL, wasn't it? <laughs> um, there was a, the best one ever. I still think the real one was involved. Uh, two members of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Evgeny Malkin, and Ta- I think it was Talbot, and neither one speaks good English at all. And they had them doing a car commercial, mm. and it was you watched this and you said. I hope the people who paid for this were trying for irony. <laughs> they didn't really want people going, hey, wow, if Jenny Malkin buys a car here, because it was... Pretty horrible. It was the worst acting ever in the history of acting. <laughs> well, a it lot of really those was. used car commercials from Buffalo and all that, they are. They're all atrocious. The, yeah, that's that, the Buffalo car commercials, you're right. But that's oh. the charm. The, well, it's yeah. something. And so I just read <laughs> something. It's something. Yeah. It's a different four-letter word. <laughs> and, I just, and someone else, I just read, oh, you know what? I'm reading this book. I'm reading a book that my sister bought me for my birthday. And it is, um, I can't remember the name of it now because I never even look at the cover. I just look inside. It's from the Telegraph. It's from England, and it's their car reviewer. And you would think, oh, that's a stupid book to read. I'm not even that much into cars. But he his reviews are hysterical. He, they are the funniest things <laughs> in the paper because he just shreds almost every car that he drives. <laughs> but one of the things he points out is, and I thought this was, when, he, when I read this, I thought, that's a really insightful thing. Do car 
sells, sellers, car dealerships really think that we're dumb enough as a public that balloons are the secret to bringing <laughs> us in to buy a car? Why do car dealerships always have balloons flying Look at around? The pretty balloon, no, no, I'm no, driving no, there. I gotta buy a car. It's a balloon. <laughs> they now have the giant gorilla. Yes, that's yeah. true. Or that crazy the, tube. That or that yeah, the crazy guy. Yeah, but they always have balloons, and it's like, are balloons really the thing that make you buy something? If that's true, I'm gonna hang balloons from the front of this studio every single night, and it's like I see balloons. <laughs> I got to tune into CHML. I see a lot of balloons on election signs soon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, they, uh, Will, by the way, through the glass, just pointed out uh, that it was Tex and Edna's uh, Furniture Emporium. Uh, there you Good go. call. Way yep. to go, Will. <laughs> or, uh, for, an Oregon Emporium. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, boy. Furniture and Oregon Emporium. That is correct. Well done. <laughs> or the Dairy Queen, not Dairy Queen, the ice cream shop down in the States that sells guns at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and then they advertise on television. Yep. <laughs> Liquor and guns. All right. Oh, man. Okay, Let us get back to some, of this, to some of this real oh, stuff. Boy. <laughs> uh, let's stick close to town first. We've got a couple things here that um, before we get a little bit broader. And I talked about this on the show earlier this week, a couple times, in fact. And I will go to Brad again, because once again, this would be something that city council is going to have land on its lap. And some people are talking about the Amazon idea, this huge new project. They want to build an 8 million square foot, $5 billion headquarters and have 50,000 new jobs. And I've heard people say... Come on, let's not waste our time. Hamilton's never getting this. And I'll be honest, I I have I'm not overly optimistic, but at the same time, it's one of those things we're partnering apparently with Niagara. We're trying to get this. You can't not do this. But Brad, my question to you, because you've been on council, you've been in, in the the boardrooms, and you've been in the count in the the committee meetings. What could council? What could the city of Hamilton actually offer as incentives? to something like Amazon to get them here. You can't just say, here's a billion dollars. We can't do that. But realistically, what could we offer them? Not a a great deal. They'd have to be pretty creative in terms of services, uh, perhaps uh, the elimination of certain development charges, things along that line. The challenge is, is not that the council's not creative. The councillors all want um, this to come here. They'd love it. Um, But the Ontario law that governs municipalities is way out of whack. And we're competing with... Way? We can't give tax incentives. Municip- could, you, could Hamilton... We have, apparently, I think the number I was told was 2,500 acres roughly up at the airport of available land. Could Hamilton give that land to Amazon to That would on? be really challenging because there's a part in the municipal act that forbids uh, bonusing of individual companies. So that would be a, a clear case of bonusing. And, and the frustrating thing is, and I, lo- I, I like Kathleen Wynne. We get along. We're good friends. Like she's, you know, she's a wonderful person. Um, but I think there's, she's misguided by saying she's not going to look at any tax breaks for Amazon. Uh, if they really want it to come to, to Hamilton and they want to compete against the American states, then they would have to allow municipalities such as Hamilton to be willing to entertain some types of discounts on land taxes over a period of time that would phase out. Uh, they would have to look at other tax incentives from the from the province because I guarantee you the states and municipalities in the United States are offering that to oh, Amazon sure. and more, and we can't. I mean, we can't do that. So Hamilton has been very creative. They brought in Maple Leaf Foods and a few other uh, wonderful. Bread. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they're they're usually competing against other Canadian municipalities or provincial municipalities. This is more of an international bid. 
could you with with the with the creative stuff you're talking about if you can't give them the land could you lease it to them for a dollar a year for a hundred years would that be legal it is possible um, but they would have to sit down with their lawyers and and really look at being creative mm-hmm. while honoring the intent of of municipal law and so it's um the most creative, if it comes to Ontario, which I don't think it will, given what the Premier has, has most recently stated, um, you know, not allowing tax breaks to be a part of the discussion is going to be a huge um, disadvantage. To yeah, bring deter, in as, sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, we have some really good strategic people at Economic Development in Hamilton. Uh, planning staff, they can sit down, they can work with the lawyers and come up with some creative ways with Niagara to offer some unique benefits to Amazon that they may not be getting elsewhere. And if this isn't something that necessarily, Brad, and sorry, I don't mean to ask the questions and take jump over in, as the host jump here. In. If, if, if something like this doesn't work out for Amazon, again, should we at least not start to have these discussions for future projects and future options of because we we consider ourselves a world-class city and to become a world-class city you need something like an amazon or something big like that to say hey we're coming to the the gt uh the greater hamilton area can can we start that process now and use this as that uh leap board if you will Yes, we can and we should. Um, the, again, the challenge is we'd have to convince the, the provincial government to look at enabling municipalities to offer uh, competitive incentives to bring companies uh, to land their, their, their projects here. That has not happened. Uh, and so that's the, the, the number one hurdle. Uh, I heard, I heard, I think I heard you talk about 50,000 jobs. Um, and you know, they're all coming to Hamilton. The challenge, 50,000 jobs that wouldn't necessarily be in Hamilton uh, because we have a lot of people that will commute. I mean, we have senior staff that commute to Hamilton. Oh, sure. Oh, the jobs would be but in so Hamilton. So the jobs would be coming to Ontario. Well, no, the jobs would be in Hamilton. They may not live in Hamilton, though. Well, that's, that's the point. So we're not receiving the benefit of that if they don't live in Hamilton. But Ontario receives the benefit, and Ontario needs to understand that they should be working with any of the, the municipalities that want to offer such incentives uh, to help that happen. Would you not potentially have the benefit of an Amazon building coming up and then, oh, we got to throw a Tim Hortons here, we got to throw a keg here, we got to throw a little strip mall here. Oh, it would and spur then we all ha- kinds we, of stuff. Yeah, and ancillary development, off. absolutely. Ancillary yeah. development happens every time a new development comes. Right. Uh, but th- there seems to be this this reluctance for politicians to talk about offering any type of tax break to corporations. Yeah. Because um, corporations are evil, of course. Well, some, unfortunately, in I'm Canadian politics, yeah, in Canadian yes. politics, there are politicians who, 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 how dare you give a tax break to this company? But if a company like Amazon was considered, and, and you look at the land that we have available around the airport, it's ideal if you could offer the tax break that would offset what's being offered in Michigan. That'd be fantastic. And you talk about the location, sorry, again, Scott, but you talk about the location by the airport, 
you can even go further than that. You, our proximity to the border, our our port, you know, like to be able to bring goods in and out. Like we're we're in a perfect place for something like Amazon. We can have stuff coming in and out, left, right, and center. Yeah, the, the reason you ports. would think airport is because Amazon is a twenty four hour. We get it delivered to you yeah, in twenty four hours. So being by the airport would be if you're right on the airport lands. If you're Huge backing benefit. onto it, massive benefit for and them. that is. I mean, and that's why Hamilton should participate because Toronto doesn't have lands of that size that close. I can't airport. imagine almost any city does. Yeah. Hamilton has it right now. So that puts them at the very front of the list. And so the, the question is, can you offset the tax breaks that are being offered to lure them mm-hmm. in? Um, and, and I don't know whether or not that's the case. I'm not saying Hamilton shouldn't try. Hamilton most definitely should be trying and doing everything they can with Niagara to draw them here because there's a significant advantage. Um well, here's the other thing. Seen. Here's the other thing. We have, and I don't completely understand, and, and I don't know that we have time to teach me all this today, but <laughs> we've got all this land up at the airport that apparently is sitting waiting for something to happen. My, Sewers. Well, partly, but there's, but once you have a plan for what's going to be there, you can start doing the sewers and start building it. We seem to have this, we're waiting for something that we can then develop it. And this would be one of those things where you say, okay, we can do it for this, but if Amazon doesn't come here, and again, I, I think we really should put our best foot forward and pitch hard for it. I don't know that it's realistic. I don't know if it's really realistic. But now is Hamilton City Council and other people in Hamilton going to say, okay, we can't put any small stuff up there. We can't start building because we've got to wait for the big, massive thing. Or should we be saying... Well, and, and it le- legitimizes the overall development of that airport growth district. Uh, so Which the, would? If they did a if big the one? Amazon, or absolutely. Oh, Amazon, immediate yeah. immediate legitimization. Mm-hmm. So I, if I'm looking at Ontario right now, I would say that Hamilton has one of the better shots of any municipality in Ontario of securing or presenting an application that at least would get to the top end of Amazon. Uh, but there are an awful lot. I mean, there are hundreds of municipalities right now across the United States that are bidding. Oh, just about every city out there is making a bid. Uh, Again, I think that the fact that we are uniquely positioned, and this may be the only good thing about having all that empty land at the airport, because when something like this happens, you can say, Mm -hmm. here it is. But again, I go to my point. Let's say, let's be pessimistic for a second, even though we don't want to be. Let's say Amazon doesn't come here. Now do we say, we've got to keep holding this land vacant for the next massive project that comes? Or do we say, you know what, it's time to start bits and pieces, putting stuff here, and let's build it up. Now, that may preclude us from putting up a 2 million square foot building at some point. What do we do? Do we sit and wait on this for the big jackpot, or do we just start doing something with it? Because right now, I don't know what the plan is. I really don't. I don't know what we're doing with all that. You, we'd have to hear, for, I, I, and I have not kept up on it, I mean, to be very candid. Um, but the reality is that we, we're putting in a very large sewer trunk that goes up Centennial Parkway. Mm-hmm. It's going to go across over to the airport area, which is really going to open up that, that development opportunity up there. Um, and, and they have been marketing smaller pieces of land, but there is an awful lot of competition from other municipalities just in Ontario alone. Uh, and we've seen wins and we've seen losses. Um, but I would argue that presently, Hamilton is probably one of the better municipalities in terms of being in a position to offer um, the amenities that are required for these companies, um, the transportation network, the land is available, the services within the community, our nature, the waterfalls, yeah. which have been in the news an awful <laughs> lot lately. 
Um, and Amazon is one of these companies which I really believe they don't want in my opinion, I think they're looking outside of America this time. I think uh-huh. they would ideally like to be in Canada. That would be interesting. Well, you know, maybe my lack of faith that we're going to be a front runner for this maybe is wrong. I look, I would love to be wrong in this case. Yeah. Uh, this would be this would be a city changing thing instantly. Some would say for bad because we talked about this last this week. House prices would go up and costs would go up and traffic would be worse, but our infrastructure deficit, assuming most of them were living in town with the taxes you would bring in, those kind of things, man, it would be a city changing thing. And I'm sure we'll be talking about this as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Economic development. Oh, we got to go, don't we? Go ahead. Economic development. Are they encouraged to go out and basically 100%. do cold calling? They do it all the time. So, Internationally. So maybe they, they're... They're aggressively probably looking at something for this land. This just happened I to make the I would have predicted news. that economic development knew that this was coming before the rest okay. of the world did. Fair enough. Let's go economic development. You're here. Great Woo. people down there. Put some balloons out in front of Hamilton. <laughs> See if that'll <laughs> bring Amazon here. With the new hey, sign. With the <laughs> I beat you to it. <laughs> Quick break back after this. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Um, there is a, uh, a story that has been uh, playing out in town. It's been going on for a while, but it seems to have come to its uh, natural dramatic, if you want to call it that, head this week. That would be the police tribunal involving Councillor Matthew Green and carding and a police officer and all the rest. We are going to, we just, I, I decided that we are going to let this thing play out as far as a, let's hear the evidence before we leap to any conclusions on this and there's still some to go. We're not going to discuss here whether we believe Councillor Green, whether we believe the police. That can be at another date. What I want to ask you about, though, and Mike, I'll start with you on this one, because this is where I really find this thing difficult. It seems to me that there is no actual verdict that will work anymore in this kind of thing, because those who believe Councillor Green, no matter what the evidence may be, will always believe Councillor Green. And those who believe the police officer, by and large, will always believe the police officer. And when this thing ends... We will be no further to any kind of conclusion, resolution, agreement than we were before. I think this. I, I think we end up as divided as we were before this thing starts. Well, you just took the word right out of my mouth. There will continue to be that division um, between those that believe carding is the right thing, the wrong thing, between black, between white, between police, between constituents of this city. It really is, I don't believe, a, a no-win situation. A lot of taxpayers' dollars are it going is, through it this. It is a no-win or is it a It no-win? isn't a no-win situation. Okay. Sorry, did I sound, come out the wrong no, way it's there? Okay, no, okay. No. It's a no-win situation in the fact that it's it's taxpayers' money. That's, I assume, and Brad, maybe you can correct me, funding a lot of this. It's police time um, off the books and, and in, a, in a room in the Sheridan Hotel. I understand that the rooms are just completely packed. And if you follow Twitter or any social media, you will see a lot of this side and this side, and they're just going to be fighting back and forth over Twitter. And this will just be a constant discussion. It's unfortunate that A, the incident happened, but B, how the incident happened. And the fact that instead of dividing everyone and, and, and you're creating, I said this earlier, you're creating a moat, 
so people can't cross. You're not building that bridge so people can talk and have discussions. And I think that's the very unfortunate thing. And I don't know what the lesson is going to be learned from all of this, from people that are reading, that are following what we teach our young kids um, about the police, about politics in general. I thought everyone was supposed to get along, get together. And this is an opportunity where that could have happened. Unfortunately, it's being torn apart at the seams one more time. Brad, I mean, Brad, do you see any way that when this thing is done that there is agreement? See, this is what I don't think. I, I don't see a scenario unless in the later stages of this hearing or however much is left to go, there is some earth-shattering, sudden, shocking evidence that drops in the middle of it. Based on what we've heard, I at the end of this, the people who believed one side are going to believe that, and the people who believe the other are going to believe that, and we're still going to disagree on what happened. I think the response from the general public on these hearings and specifically police tribunal hearings, uh, Police Service Act hearings, um, are fairly predictable. Um, people, many people out there um, uh, tend to think that the police are always offside and it's almost like a go-to. Um, I happen to believe that the majority of police officers are really good men and women who actually take their sworn mm-hmm. duties um, very seriously and, 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 and do the job well and protect all of us. Um, but there are realities that occur and things do, do happen. Um, to answer the question as to what the outcome is, will be from the public, I, I, don't, I don't really know what the upswing will be and what people will be talking about. I think you can almost guarantee that there'll be a divided opinion. Um, the taxpayers uh, are paying for the hearing, um, whether provincially or some from the police services board itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Green uh, has paid for his own lawyer. He retained a lawyer, so the city of, of Hamilton is not on, on the hook there. Uh, it, I, I think, you know, we can always second guess these situations, but it probably been, would have been more prudent for a city councillor to reach out to the chief um, reach out to them and have that discussion as to what transpired, what his concerns are, and find perhaps collaborative ways to deal with carding based on this example, um, as opposed to pushing um, this particular officer to the brink uh, in terms of his career. I, I, I feel for the officer because w- whether he did it or not, a lot of people in the community think he did. Well, look, if the officer did what Councillor Green is saying that he did, they're probably, based on police act rules and everything else, then he should face the discipline that he is supposed to face based on that thing. If he didn't do, or if his interpretation of what was happening was different from Councillor Green's, and he was not doing it for the reasons that Councillor Green says... The difficulty I have here now is he's going to wear this regardless with certain people in the community. and But that goes up to both sides of the discussion. Of course. Because there are those who are going to say Councillor Green is an attention-seeking whatever who is only doing this to further enhance his political career. We've heard that lots of places. Mm-hmm. There are others who say, no, he is a guy who has the platform to stand up and do what a lot of people couldn't in that circumstance. But this goes back to what I'm saying. We're never this thing does this thing isn't going to bring make us agree on something or say, you know what? Yeah, we have to fix this or that. I've seen nothing on social media. I've seen nothing in the discussions that this evidence, this trial, whatever you call it, so far has done anything to bring us together. It's just d- drawn firmer lines. And and the public, um, for the most part, and 
frequently many of the pundits who are commenting really don't understand the Police Services Act. They do not understand how the hearing process works. Um, the threshold of proving what transpired uh, is not the higher test of beyond a reasonable doubt. It's a lower test, which is uh, the balance of probabilities. So we really won't know exactly. Uh, we will never know exactly what happened. We will eventually get a decision from someone who's tried to interpret what has transpired through the evidence that was presented in the hearing. You mentioned uh, platform. And again, going back to my earlier comment, this was the perfect platform, I believe, for a counselor to, again, build that bridge. Take this history lesson, if you will, if we're going back further into our show, take this lesson. A teaching moment. A teaching moment. It's a teachable moment. And I believe, and I don't want to be misquoted here, so I won't say it. It's Matthew a, has used that terminology. Thank you. You know where I would see, we're, we're in sync here tonight, sync Brad. It's, we're there singing songs together and everything. It, this was a teachable moment. And this was an opportunity where you could have brought this city together as one. And I agree with you. A call into Chief Gert and let's have a little chat about this. Now, there is another little caveat, I think, here as well, where it sounds like, and Councillor Ferguson even said it, you know, there's a lot of butting heads between the, the police, uh, Councillor Ferguson and his duty and, 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 and dealing with Councillor Green is always an adventure or whatever the words were at this time. So it's too bad that it has gone this way when it could have done a 180 and we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this. We might be talking about how everyone is coming together as a city finally. Yeah, and the larger issue I think for me is how do we, when this is done, rise above it heal and move forward. But see, I think it becomes, once you've had a hearing and everything's been aired out, it becomes almost harder to do that in some ways. And I agree. Because people have now on each side, and I'm going to give everyone the benefit of the doubt here, whether it's fair or not. I'm going to say that people, their intentions, their beliefs are honest and their intentions are supposedly good in their mind. But they've dug in their heels now because they believe even more strongly now in what side they're on. And there was nothing. Here's, see, again, here's Well, that goes back to our earlier discussions. People are judging without the facts. They are judging yes, based on, but on that's what we do now. their assumptions, their speculation, their, their personal feelings, and the, 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 the belief that this is happening all the time. And they're judging on the fact that for whenever this happened, uh, 2016, early 2016, you've been able to hear... Matt Green. You've been able to see Matt Green with his lawyer and then another lawyer, and you're kind of hearing bits and pieces, whereas the police, they got to keep their mouth quiet. They can't say a word because it would go... Well, up. I would argue that both sides should have done that. Uh, when, yeah, but I don't think the police can. If anything is no, all of a sudden... No, if you no, have no, an, no I'm quiet. saying the opposite. Both sides, because it was before a tribunal, they're Correct. going to be before a tribunal, I would argue that both sides should have said nothing in the public. Agreed, but... We know this counselor, and we know that he likes a bit of a platform, and he likes some attention. Fair enough to say? That those are your words. <laughs> I'm, I'm suggesting to you. Oops. <laughs> I'm suggesting to you that it is uh, frequently the case uh, with politicians uh, right across the, the, the province that they start commenting on things that are before the courts or before a tribunal um, that they should not be commenting on. They know the rules, Agreed. but their passion gets in the way. Um, a police officer, because of his rules uh, under the Police Services Act, will not 
across that line. Agreed. And it, it's completely unfortunate that others have. We do this, though, in this case and all kinds of others, with, and I'm talking about the people who are observing now, not the counselor or the officer. We decide very quickly what we think about these things, and then we trench in and we do not get moved. I would bet you, I would, I would be delighted to find on either side, I don't care which way it goes, I would love to find one person who started this process believing the counselor and now has switched and believes the police or who believed the police and has heard the evidence mm-hmm. and based on what they've heard in the evidence has said, no, that has swayed me. I bet you there's not a person there. Those who came in believing the police are left believing the police. Those who came in believing the counselor are left believing the counselor. And as a result, we get nothing. We get nowhere. We get nothing. We get nowhere. We had this thing and whatever the decision is going to be, and I'm assuming, because again, it's a police tribunal, it's not a court. I'm not even sure how this whole thing works, but I'm assuming there will be a decision that will simply say, as you say, on balance of probabilities, I believe the counselor or I believe the police officer. And on, and be, because we haven't heard any earth-shattering evidence, and it this will may be, not be the end of it. No, it's it quite possible Civil that suit. if the decision goes for or against uh, Councillor Green, and I haven't spoken to Councillor Green about this, so I want to make that, that very clear. This is just speculation on my part, but we do have an Ontario Human Rights Board. And so uh, it is possible that... But would that clarify it? If you take it to the next step, does that clarify it for people or bring people together? Again, I don't think... And I, it, this the whole point of this is not necessarily that we all have to come together. There could be... Councillor Green would argue there's a bigger issue at play here than coming together. There is the propriety, there is racism, there's the right to not be stopped. But if we're going to be dealing with systemic racism and systemic issues with carding, then let's have that discussion. Let's let's look for the ways and means to educate the community, educate the police. Mm-hmm. Let's improve the interaction between the different communities within the city. Let's have that discussion. But wouldn't he but argue that's out- what he's doing? No, because this is, uh, he may, I'm just saying this is an adversarial position uh, that the good counselor has taken against the activities of, of, of one particular police officer with ramifications for that police officer's career. Had they turned around and brought, got, come together uh, with the police chief and started talking about, okay, this is what I experienced, is there, you know, and, and, and worked out some type of program to resolve it, uh, it would have been better for the overall community and might have improved the situation at the police department. Having an adversarial police, uh, p- position where the, the police officer says, I didn't do that, and the police association says you're besmirching a good police officer, th- this is not resolving it, this is dividing we got to go to break. One question, one word answer, a yes or no. You said there could be ramifications for the police officer depending on how this goes. Yes or no, could there be ramifications for the counselor? I don't mean legal necessarily. I just mean in general, could there be ramifications? In general, yeah, absolutely. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, brightest panel on Hamilton Radio, still in studio, Brad Clark... Mike Fortune, just wandering in because minutes from now, he is going to be uh, taking over these airwaves to do the fifth quarter after the Ticats. Um, yes. Rick Vamperin just walked in looking uh, for clu- d- disheveled. Yeah, I was going to say disheveled. Yes. Disheveled. yes. For yes. clumped after the That's a good one too. time management at the end of that first <laughs> half. Ticats have the ball down near the goal line and they mysteriously call a timeout and run out of time to do anything. And kick a field goal. And kick it. Well, they yeah. kicked a field goal. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but Rick You're will be here to uh, discombobulate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Rick, Rick. Rick will be here to uh, to wrap up all the Ticat stuff when the uh, when the uh, when the game is all over. And um, as we say, you know what? You, you, you hope if you're a Hamilton Ticat fan, you hope the team wins. On the other hand, the shows are always are generally so much more lively and exciting and inebriated when they lose. Let's hope so. Yes, tonight for my sake. <laughs> and I say this with all sincerity, the fifth quarter is the best part of game day. I truly oh, enjoy it. Of course it, it is. Awesome, yep. thank truly you. enjoy of it. Of course it is. And Rick does a great job. Uh, you want to sit in for the last few minutes here? Yeah, sure. All right, so Rick is now an honorary <laughs> member. We have to do the swearing in <laughs> ceremony <laughs> for the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. I don't even know where to go with this. I stumbled on this during the commercial, and I just thought I would share this story because this may be one of my favorite things I've read all week. Uh, a man in Arkansas has posted a missing sign. You know how people put missing signs up on lampposts mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. for their pets? Uh, missing. Terrence. Answers to Terry, it says in brackets. Uh, last seen on my front porch on Center Street. Uh, it's a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> Did it roll away? This cactus <laughs> named Terry has gone missing, <clears throat> and he is trying to have someone find it. It's in a terracotta <laughs> pot, if you happen to see a round I have cactus. so many one-liners <laughs> right now <laughs> dancing through my head that the CRTC would not like. Uh, <laughs> probably not. It's the victim of a horrible cactus napping, apparently. Uh. It's probably somewhere here in Dundas, right, where the cacti yeah. I would think part of the world from Dundas would be a, a suspect. Yes, of right course. Now. Either that or someone who's like bleeding from many prick holes in his <laughs> hands. Maybe, maybe he sat on it and walked away with it. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you said this was in Texas? In uh, Arkansas. In Arkansas, okay. In Arkansas. You know, there are there are strange <laughs> and unusual uh, crimes going on. I'm not going to tell you who it is because that would probably be a very bad thing to do. But someone I know who lives in town just this week woke up early in the morning to hear their dogs barking and then heard their front door slam shut. Mm, wow. And uh, thankfully, they have gigantic dogs and the poor. This was speaking of dumb criminals. This guy grabbed several purses, a phone and some other stuff. (laughs) I guess when he took off from the dogs, discovered the phone was actually only a phone case. (laughs) There was no phone and both purses were empty. Oh, wow. (laughs) And nearly got eaten by dogs. But, you know. So last Saturday, I'm I'm out on my drive and my my neighbor uh, goes, excuse me. Yeah, I go. Did anyone break into your shed last night? And I go, I haven't checked. Let me go look. So I get my key and I unlock my gate and I go to my shed, which has a lock on. I go, no, mine's fine. And I look over at them. And I go, well, did they cut your lock to your gate and they cut the lock to your shed? Well, we didn't lock the gate. And we didn't <laughs> lock the shed. I go, so you basically deserve what just happened to you. You know, it's Ooh. like, come on, wow. really? Wow. I had friends who were woken up in the middle of the night by two men shouting good night and they were awoken out of a you know a, a late night slumber. They went downstairs, and their house was ransacked. So these two <laughs> hooligans not only you know well, stole they a bunch were of things, hooligans. then woke them up to say, "Hey, look what we did!" And they took off. <laughs> oh, that's that. great. I love it. That, that's a first. I've not heard yeah. that before. I woke up at three in the morning, hearing squeaking. Got up to look outside, and there was a man walking down the street in front of my house dragging a barbecue on its wheels. <laughs> so I got up, and I went outside, and as soon as I opened the door, he dropped the barbecue and it ran down off. the street. <laughs> so I wheeled it up to my garage. I called the police. They said, well, we're not going to come up and pick it up. You just leave it in your driveway. We'll worry about it in the morning. So I get up in the morning, and it's gone. He waited around the corner until you left. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> Boy, am I a dumbass. <laughs> so we've got the persistent crew. 
criminal, the polite criminal, and the stupid victim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All from Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hey, that's, and, that's, that's Hamilton in a, in a handbag for you. And someone walking around with blood dripping from their hands holding a giant cactus yeah, named Terry. Arkansas. Oh, man. I'd All like right. to know who names their cactus. I've never heard of anyone naming a cactus before. Do you name well, plants? Well, the prickly debaters. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? Again, uh, I'm I'm going with Brad on this one. There are about 14 things <laughs> swirling <laughs> through my head, and none of them. I can't do it. Would Normally, be appropriate. I come up with one we can get away with, but not this time. Name <laughs> it. When you name it, Prickly Pete or something. I don't know. Prickly Pete. Yeah. Prickly <laughs> Pete. <laughs> that, in it, that in itself could be redundant. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so if you happen to see a cactus that looks like he's lost, call, yell his name first. See if he responds to mm-hmm. Terry, and mm-hmm. if not, then it's probably not him. Just saying. And if you do, Fair enough. go online and find it. The guy's name is um, William Gould. You can look him up in Arkansas and <laughs> return his cactus to him. <laughs> uh, let me get the quiz question one last time. Will, you got that song ready? Okay, here we go. Before we get to it, there is a band who this day, 55 years ago, had their first number one hit. It was this song. It's a group, a band, whatever you want to call it, that has been around forever since then. They may not be playing together. I don't know if they're still playing together. They'd be quite elderly, I would think, at this point. But... Their music has always stuck around. Their music has endured. You have heard their music in all different forms of entertainment. Here is the song. Tell us the name of the group. What is the name of this group? 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Please give us the correct name. Am I, am I allowed to take a guess here? You can after we go off the uh, air. I was going to guess Terry and the Cactus. T- <laughs> <laughs> cacti. cacti oh no, actually, you know what? Cactus is apparently is a legitimate, uh, I thought, cacti, and I actually corrected. Cactuses. Someone we, cactuses? We had someone on here. Cactuses is an acceptable mm-hmm. form of the word, or cacti. Anyway. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.